Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Lord, I just want to pray today that as we gather together this morning around your word, Lord God, I know in my heart, Father, that there's something that you have for every one of us here this morning. I want to thank you that on every life in this room and in this place, there are callings, there are destinies, there are works and mandates that you have called us to. There are missions that are God-given and God-inspired over every single life in this place this morning. I want to pray today, Father God, for an awakening to this realization And where necessary, Father God, a reawakening to this realization. I want to pray, Father God, that as I share the word this morning, encouragement will fill our hearts. Boldness and strength that comes from you and from your spirit would empower us this morning. That we may be vessels that are willing and yielded to the hand of God for you to have your way in us for your glory, and for our eternal blessing. And that's my prayer this morning, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, I mentioned we we spoke about the Word of God, the power of that Word. We're going to touch on some of those aspects this morning. But I made a statement. I said that God has set out an environment for every one of us to flourish. Regardless of what our circumstances may be, regardless of our financial status or our career status or health status, there's an environment for us to flourish, and that environment is the will of God as it's revealed to us by the Word of God. Amen? You remember that? I'm not going to recap on all of those things, but I do want to say this, that if that is true, that if God has set us up or created for us an environment in which to flourish, the revealed will of God as it is made alive to us through the Word of God, then our attitude towards the Word of God becomes vitally important. Amen? Because this is the only avenue through which we discover that land of flourishing, that place where God's blessing flows, His anointing and His grace is ministered and imparted to us. So if we don't have the right attitude to this, we miss out on everything. That's, in essence, what the parable of the sower is all about. And we spoke about that a little bit last week. So the power and the effectiveness of God's Word can either be released in our lives and through our lives, or it can be locked up and bottled up based solely on our attitude towards the Word. We read Psalm 1 last week. I'll read the first three verses again. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. It's very interesting that when we read that, that if you go back to verse 1, please, today, when we read those, that, that, that first verse, we often think, oh, it's the man who doesn't do all the bad things. He's not found in the wrong places, and he's being a good boy, or, and being a good woman, whatever it may be, and he's not doing that, and he's not doing that, and he's not doing that. What this, this, this psalm is really speaking about is a heart's pursuit. A heart that is not pursuing the things of this world, that is not pursuing the counsel of this world, this world's way of thinking. 
It's not standing in the path of sinners. It's not associating itself or running after or wrapping itself around those things which are sinful and pleasurable to the flesh. Nor is it joining with the scornful. But it finds delight. Say delight. In the law of the Lord. And in His law He meditates all day. And this man, verse 3, tells us, will be like the tree planted by the rivers of living water that brings forth fruit in its season, that whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. And so this idea of having our delight be in the word of the Lord is the key that unlocks or in, introduces us into and welcomes us into and shows us around this land or this environment that God has created for us to flourish in. It is the very river that God desires to see us put our roots into and to draw life and nourishment from. And so what we find, I mean, last week we spoke about this and we said we've got to, we've got to give ourselves or put ourselves into the place where the Word of God is coming in. And I encourage you all to join and partake in the Bible study. Um, I'll do the same again this week. Every Wednesday there is a Bible study that goes on. And the idea is to come and position yourself in a place where you can learn about what God is like. You see, when we talk about God speaking to us, we often mean and understand very different things. Sometimes we talk about God giving us an instruction. This is what I want you to do, and it's a clear thing. And the, the, this, the irony is this. I've seen it in my own life, and I see it in many other people's lives. They go through life, and things happen. They come to a crossroads, and now they have a decision to make, and they're saying, hey, God, what is your will? What do you want me to do? And what they're wanting from God in that moment is an instruction. Do this. Go that way. Turn away from this thing. But I believe that instructions like that are the result of continued, diligent study and spending time in the Word of God. And here's why I say that. If you are not well acquainted with the Word of God, you will not recognize God's instruction in your situation. And so what we do is, okay, now I need an instruction. Now I've got to fast. Now I've got to really pray. Now I've got to really seek God because in the midst of where I am, I can't even recognize His voice. That is a pitiful and a woeful state for us to find ourselves in. Because God longs for us to live by the sound of His voice every moment of every day. That is the place of flourishing in favor. And so if we are going to live that kind of life, we need to understand that our heart needs to be, and our mind needs to be gravitating towards this so that we are open to it at all times, so that there's reference and points of reference that God can use and that we can look back on. You see, I may not get a clear instruction from God every time I read this book. Frankly, sometimes it's stories. I find out what God did in somebody else's life or how things worked in that particular situation. But even through the stories, I learn what God is like. I learned to recognize that that situation in my life or this attitude that I'm carrying can't be of God. It's not of God. Because I remember what Paul wrote to the Ephesians. And I remember that this, and I know that this situation in my life can't be right because I saw what Jesus did in this kind of situation. And so things, I may not have the answer, but I already have an intuition. I already have a guiding light, a force that will help me navigate and find the answers that I'm looking for. 
So as we begin to expose ourselves to God word, God's Word, that's where the, the, the truly amazing thing happens, where God begins to, where that Word become, begins to become alive in us, and the power of that Word comes alive in us, and we begin to receive instruction from it. Folks, there is real power in the Word of God. Real power. The power to raise from the dead. I mean, that's real power, isn't it? You see, if we, if we read this and our attitude towards this is that it's interesting stories, just a guidebook for life, it's got some good ideas, moral compass. Is that true? Yes, that's all good. But without the power, it's just another good book. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13 in the Passion Translation says this, For we have the living word of God, which is full of energy, like a two-mouthed sword. It will even penetrate to the very core of our being where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and the secret motives of our hearts. There is not one person who can hide their thoughts from God. For nothing that we do remains a secret, and nothing created is concealed. But everything is exposed and defenseless before his eyes, to whom we must render account. You see, what this book begins to do, the power that this book begins to invoke within us and make available and come alive within us, is that it shows us what we are truly like in the light of who God truly is. It gives us revelation and true understanding. We are so gifted at deceiving ourselves. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. And there are those who are utterly deceived in their grandiose cleverness, beauty, wisdom, and are utterly narcissistic. And there are those who are utterly deceived, thinking themselves worthless, not good enough. And these all come from our own minds and our own hearts deceiving us. But this word is the only thing that has the power to break those shackles, those strongholds in our lives, where I think too highly of myself as well as when I think too lowly of myself. It has the power to strip me, but not just that. It also has the power to impart the grace that I need to adapt and to change my way of thinking and therefore my way of living. It's, it is a sword that delivers death and life in the same blow. That's why it's two-edged. Wow. Did you ever think about that? The reason it's a two-edged sword is because it delivers death to myself and my way of thinking as well as life through the nature and the God's way of thinking at the same time. But this is just the start. As I said, as we learn to cooperate with the Word of God, as we learn to work with it, as we allow it to begin changing us, God begins to instruct us according to our unique calling and purpose and all that He has in store for our lives. God has a unique and special plan for you and for your life that is made. It's as unique as your fingerprint is. It is unique as your iris is. There is no one else who can do what God has called you to do. Nobody. The way God has called you to do it. How do I find out what that is? How do I grow in that? How do I learn? As I give myself to waiting, to watching, 
to praying. God begins to breathe things on your heart. And one day, something will just absolutely come alive. I remember my day when, when the, the, the Word of God was, was being spoken. Pastor Andreas was talking about Elijah and Elisha. And something came alive in me and said, I want you to be Elisha to that man. That's going to be your calling and your purpose. I hear, I've heard Pastor Andreas' testimony about how he was waiting on God. And God said, no, you go. I'm sending you to go and preach the Word and to tell these people. And that was not the full picture of his life, but that was the next step. And that's how God leads us, one step at a time. And in meditating further about this, how we learn to get to know God, how we learn to get to discern God's voice and God's instruction for us as unique individuals, as I was pondering it this week, I was reminded of some people's responses to God's word as he stepped into their immediate situation. And we're going to look at two people primarily this morning who had very different responses. The first one we're going to look at is Mary, the mother of Jesus. And if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn to Luke chapter 1. We'll put it up on the screen. But let's read the story. Let's read the narrative from verse 32 to 38, and then we'll talk about it for a little bit. So the angel appears to Mary and said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold... You will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. And he will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom, of his, to his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, oh sorry, will overshadow you. Therefore also that the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and is now in the sixth month uh, for her who is called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then... Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. We would say it this way. Here I am, Lord. Let it be, according, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's look at a couple of points from this reading. The first thing is this. Mary, you have found favor in the sight of the Lord. What does that even mean? It means that God is looking upon you with favor. And I want to say to you today, if you have been born again and are a child of God, the very fact that you were born again means you have found favor of the Lord. That is awesome. We think Mary is really special, and she is. But every one of us as children of God have found the favor of God and are, are, are enabled to walk in it in a way beyond what Mary could only have imagined. Now you may not be called to immaculate conception to which all of the men and no, most of the women are saying, Hallelujah, praise God, Amen. But you do have a unique and a special role to play in God's kingdom should you choose to accept it. And therein lies the key. 
I was reminded as I was writing that, that you know, of the, uh, the old mission impossible thing. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to do this, blah, 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 blah. But I find it really interesting that as they've given out the mission, they say that uh, um, if you are, are caught or killed, we'll deny ever knowing you or anything about your mission, which is the complete opposite of what God does. He sends, he says, the Holy Spirit's going to be... Okay, let's carry on before I get down into Mission Impossible. You have a unique role and a unique mission from God, but the choice, it does come down to should you accept it. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are His workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which were prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. David said before... Before I was, you know, while you were knitting me in my mother's womb, before the creation of the world, you knew me and you knew the path that you'd established for me. There was something in, and you, in that that David is speaking about, this realization that God is aware of me and my personal journey, my calling, and what He created me for. I'm not just here by accident. I'm not just another number. What we also see in this reading is that Mary had legitimate questions. And when God begins to speak to you, when God begins to say things and to usher your life, you will have legitimate questions. And but what is God's answer in this? God's answer to Mary is simply, Mary, I know you've got questions. I've got this. I've got this. I don't want you to trust in all the answers. I want you to trust in me. He said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. That's going to answer your question. How is it going to work? Don't worry, Mary, don't worry. That's what we always want to know. But how, God? And the power of the highest will overshadow you. And so what was Mary's response? Mary's response, listen, here's the key. Mary did not respond to the answers, to the formulas, or to the procedure. Mary responded to the person. To God's word. Let it be to me according to your word. It's important to note that the determining factor here was not God's ability to do the thing. The determining factor, whether or not Mary would be the one to bring forth the Savior of the world, was that one sentence. Be it to me according to your word. You see, God will not override your will. He longs for you to bring your will into alignment with His will for your life. That you may live in the favor of God and be a blessing within your situation and to the world around you. That you may fulfill the call and the destiny that God has upon your life and enjoy the rewards associated with that for all eternity. She took God at His word. She believed Him. She availed herself to Him. And we all know the result thereof. So you would say Mary had the right and a positive response. Would you agree? She had a couple of questions, but even without the answer, she said, all right, Lord, be it to me according to your word. Now I want to look at another example this morning, and we're going to go to the Old Testament, and we're going to look at one of the most influential people in all of history and in all of the Bible, Moses. We know the account of how God, Moses is walking in the wilderness. God speaks to him through a burning bush. And I'm going to pick up the story in Exodus chapter 3, verses 10 to 14. Verse 10 says, Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh, this is God speaking to Moses, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children out of Egypt? 
You see, like Mary, Moses had legitimate questions. Here we see him struggling with his own worthiness to carry out this mission. Who am I? He spent 40 years in the backside of the desert now. He's been rejected. He's been ostracized. He's run for his life. Why me? God carries on. I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, they're going to say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am have, has sent you. So again, here Moses is wrestling with God. He's saying, yeah, Do you know who you're sending me to? There's a lot of things in Moses' head and heart and mind that he is really grappling with. And God, in, even in the midst of Moses' grappling, gives him the strategy. He says, this is what you say. But Moses isn't satisfied yet. Still not won over. Chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered, But suppose they won't believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. So God says, all right, I'll meet you where you are. And to satisfy Moses and to allay his fears, he says, all right, here's what I want. Throw down your rod. It turns to a snake. Pick it up by the tail, and as he does, it turns to a rod again. All right, that's pretty awesome, right, Moses? Okay, now what I want you to do, put your hand in your bosom, in your cloak. Pull it out. It's leprous. It's, it's white all over. It's fully leprous. Now put it back again and take it out. It's completely healed. You go do that in front of the people. They will believe I sent you. And if they don't believe those signs, then take your, your, your flask and pour your water out onto the ground. And as the water hits the ground, it'll turn to blood. How many signs do you think you're going to need, Moses? But Moses, in verse 10, says this, Lord, even armed with these signs and wonders, I am not eloquent, neither, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and I am slow of tongue. You see, Moses really isn't sold on this idea. <laughs> I know what this is like when you're working with children who really don't want to do things. And suddenly, that conversation you wanted to have with them last night that they were not interested in, now you want them to do something and suddenly they want to talk about that thing. Or they'll find out, what about this? Or how about that? And they're trying to find any reason not to do what you're asking them to do. That's what Moses is doing here. He's not sold on the idea. Moses is deeply insecure. He is fearful despite God's assurances. Can anyone relate to that? Despite the fact that God says, I will be with you wherever you go. Despite the fact that God says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Despite the fact that God says, all authority has been given to me, you go therefore. Lay hands on the sick. Go and preach the good news. Despite His assurances that He has given us and filled us with His Holy Spirit, how many of you still struggle? Find excuses. Shrink back. Struggle for boldness. I stand in front of you with the first, I'm the first one with my hands raised. I still grapple with that myself. And so let's see 
what happens next. So the Lord said to him, who, now Moses has just given the excuse of I can't do it because I can't speak. He says, who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. But he said, Lord, please send by the hand of whoever else you can send. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. God was just getting absolutely frustrated that no matter how many assurances he gave Moses, Moses was not budging. And he said, he finally concedes. He says, is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know he can speak well. And look, he's also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. I'm amazed in in reading this narrative that despite Moses' fears and his insecurities, God never gives up on him or changes his mind concerning him. I want to say to you today, God is not going to change his mind concerning you or concerning the calling and the destiny he has given you, concerning the mission that has your name on it. That file is not going to be retracted and given to somebody else. It's simply going to go undone. And yes... God may raise up another. As Mordecai said to Esther, if you do not go, God will raise up another to deliver our people. But who knows whether you've been called for such a time as this. And what will the cost be? What would have been the cost if Esther had not spoken? The obliteration of millions of lives. God is not in the business of changing His mind concerning you or the plan that He has for your life. He is waiting for you to cooperate and to come into line with these words and with His promises that He is with you, that He will undertake for you, and that although it is impossible, that's precisely the point. (laughs) You're going to need Him. Moses was still God's choice. You are still God's choice. And so we see later on in chapter 4, From verse 27, it says this, And the Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him on the mountain of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him and the signs which he had commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron went together to the elders of Israel. And Aaron Aaron spoke the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. And he did the signs in the sight of the people. So the people believed, and when they'd heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked on their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. You see, Aaron spoke on Moses' behalf. He did the signs on Moses' behalf, yet God persevered with Moses. You see, we know the rest of the story. We know that Moses grew in confidence. Moses grew in wisdom. He grew as a leader. And God continued to speak with Moses, and he continued to use Moses. Despite his insecurities, despite his failures, he didn't write him off. You see, we can compare Moses and Mary, and we can say that one had the right attitude when the Word of God was presented, and one had the wrong attitude when the Word of God was presented. And that would be an accurate evaluation. Mary had the right heart attitude. She trusted God. She obeyed. Moses did not. Mary believed and availed herself to God's will. We even know, I mean, Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. But here's what I want you to remember today. 
that there are those among us who, like Moses, are battling with insecurities, with self-doubt concerning the mandates, the calls, the promises of God and what He's given us to do. They're here among us this morning. They're in our workplaces. They're in our families. They are called by God with a purpose, but they are in desperate need of an errand. Someone to listen to them, someone to believe in them, someone to encourage them and to come alongside them. Perhaps someone even to go with them and assist them to get the ball rolling in the thing and the mandate that God has given them to do. To those of you who identify with that today, I want to say to you, find your errand. If you're unsure about what you believe God has said to you, if you're afraid, if you don't think you can, don't just do nothing. Don't just stay in that position. Find an errand, somebody who can encourage you. Somebody who perhaps, so in this case, Moses had to find, Moses couldn't speak, and so God brought him somebody who could speak. If you need to speak and you can't speak, go find someone who can speak. If your problem is in your marriage, go to somebody who's got a good marriage. If your problem's in your finances, go to somebody who knows what they're doing in their finances. If you are called by God to be an evangelist, go and find somebody who is, in, in, who is evangelizing. Go spend time with them. Go and let them teach you how. Go let them help you break off those things that keep you insecure and hold, held back. You see, Moses shared with his brother everything that God had said to him. And you need to have somebody that you can share that with. That's why God puts us in spiritual families. That's why he gives us pastors and shepherds. What is it that I am called... Be, and what is it that I am accountable to God for in the spiritual family? I am accountable for more before God, and this is incredibly sobering. I'm accountable for more to make sure that you're all doing okay and that you're all happy. I'm accountable before God to, to, to answer to Him one day, Michael, how did you usher the divine missions and destinies that I placed within your care? How did you help them discover my voice? How did you help them walk in the plans and purposes I had over their lives? That's what a minister does. That's what Aaron was. He became the priest. To help people walk in the mission and the plan that God has over their lives. So don't, if you are not sure or if you are with, don't just forget it or just leave it on the side. You know why time ticks by very quickly? And maybe by the time you wake up, it will be too late. I also want to address today the errands in the room. Those who are secure in their relationship with God, who know their purpose, who are walking in it. And I want to say to you today, don't be content in that. Go find a Moses. Go find somebody who is struggling. Go and reproduce yourself in somebody else. Go help somebody hear the Word of God. Help somebody who is struggling in their mission from God. You might be the difference. You see, you may just be the errand that somebody is looking for. Your encouragement, your expertise, and the faith may, may, may determine the, the fate of an entire nation, just like Aaron's did. You know, if you read Hebrews 11, the Hall of Fame of the Book of Faith, it mentions nothing about Aaron. 
But the book wouldn't even have been written without his influence. Think about that. You know, I went running yesterday, and as I was running, I was running with a friend, and there was somebody who came around the corner and said, Hey, guys, you're looking great. Keep it up. You're doing so well. And we ran on. He said, Thank you. He ran on. I said to my friend, You know, some people are just born to encourage. And he said to me, Yeah, that was awesome. That's exactly what I needed right there. Maybe somebody is just needing you to draw alongside them and say, Hey, you're doing a great job. Come on. You've got this. You've got this. God's with you. Let me help you with that. Let me give you another example. So in August of last year, I ran a half marathon. I did a 21.1 kilometer run one morning. Now the last time I had done that was in my early 20s. The closest I'd gotten was in 2017 where I did a 19 kilometer run. But I I hadn't crossed that half marathon threshold. You know what the difference was? That morning, Mark Fuller decided, hey, Mike, I want to go for a run. I want to push my distance a little bit. you want to come with me? I said, yeah, let's do it. And he was getting back into his running. I'd been running for a bit, so I thought, okay, this is a good match. And we ran, and we ran what we thought was a good distance. He said, hey, should we go a little further? Yeah, let's do this. Should we go a little further? Yes, let's do this. And at some points, I was saying, come, let's do another one. And he would say, okay, let's go this way. We ended up doing our half marathon. I wouldn't have done it without him. Wouldn't have happened. The people who are most influential in my life are the people who believed in me when I didn't believe even in myself. I think back to teachers. I think to youth leaders. I think to spiritual oversight and parents who believed in me even when I couldn't see it, even when I couldn't believe in, in my, for myself. Now listen, I come out of a loving home with parents who have believed in me and have been proud of me my whole life long, and I've messed up. So that's quite hard work on their their part sometimes. But it's interesting to note that, of course, they had a dramatic influence on who I am. But when I think back on on, on moments where my heart really has shifted, where I've really been strengthened, it's come primarily not through my parents. It's come through somebody who who, who, who comes from the outside, who sees me as I am and still sees life there and speaks encouragement there and believes in me. Why? Because it's my parents' job to believe in me. (laughs) But when other people believe in you, it makes the world a difference. Find those who will believe in you. And find those who need somebody to believe in them. I am ever grateful to God for them. Because through them, through those people who have guided and encouraged my life, I am who I am today, walking in the calling I am walking in today. In closing, I want to say this to you. Doing nothing with God's instructions should not be an option for you. It's not an option. If you know God has called you to something, if you know God is speaking to you now about a shift or a step that you need to make, doing nothing with that is not an option. You see, that's the difference between being a fan of Jesus and a follower of Jesus. Churches today are filled with fans of Jesus. They love what he did, and they love what he did for them. I'm a fan of Arsenal. Yeah, I love what they... Well, I don't always love what they do, let's be honest. It's very hard to be a fan of Arsenal these days. But I'm a fan, and I support them. I have a scarf in my cupboard that I keep as a memento because I went to go watch Arsenal play West Bromwich Albion at Highbury. And David Seaman 
kept a clean sheet that day. I remember that game. But Arsenal doesn't determine what I do with my life. You see, many people are fans of Jesus. They like to sing songs about Him and they like to think how good He is. But it's a very different thing to follow Jesus. And Jesus is talking to you. And as you give yourself to this Word and you learn more about Him, I promise you, I guarantee you, Jesus is going to be speaking to you. Because that's what He loves to do. He's your chi- you're His child. And doing nothing with that is not an option. It, it, it ends up giving you a calloused and a hard heart and you're no longer even able to discern His voice. As hard as the Word of God may sometimes be to believe, as hard as the Word of God may sometimes be to apply, we need to embrace the attitude of Mary. Or, if we can't, we need to get the help we need to bring us to the place where we can do so. Amen? Amen? Find an errand. Do what you need to do. I want to draw one last lesson from the life of David as, in, as my closing scripture. 2 Samuel verses seven, uh, chapter 7, verses 28 to 29. In, in this portion of scripture, you can read it for yourself, but God basically makes a covenant with David, and he says, David, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to bless your family, and this is what I'm going to do for you. And this is David's response. It's very similar to Mary's. But this should be your prayer and my prayer despite all our insecurities, fears, and worries. David, in response to God's promise, says, And now, O Lord God, you are God, your words are true, and you have promised this goodness to your servant. Now, therefore, let it please you to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue before you forever." For you, O Lord, have spoken it, and with your blessing, let the house of your servant be blessed forever. Amen. Would you stand with me? Father, I thank you this morning for... Every word that you've spoken over every life in this room and even perhaps the lives of those who are listening to this message at some other time. Lord, you haven't changed your mind. And although we may be struggling with insecurities, with fears, although we may have many questions which to us are legitimate questions, Father, I want to pray that even in this morning or in this moment, you would cause our hearts to shift from trying to rely and depend on the hows and all the formulas to simply trusting in the Word of God through the person who spoke that Word, Jesus. Lord, we want to realign our hearts and our trust and to set it completely in You this morning. Lord, we want to thank You for Your Word. Thank You that it speaks life and blessing over our lives. Thank you that your word creates an environment within us and within our circumstances and sphere of influence in which we and others can flourish in the life and in the power of God. Thank you, Jesus, that your words are eternal, that they are powerful, and that they never return to you void or empty. And with that knowledge, Lord God, we want to thank you for every word spoken over our lives today words of value, 
words of grace that we are the sons and the daughters of Most High God. That as you spoke over Jesus, you speak over us today, you are my child and I love you and I am well pleased with you. And so in the light of that, we want to stand before you this morning and echo the words of David and say, God, your words are true. Your promises are true. Regardless of how I feel, regardless of my insecurities or my fears, we, I say, and I choose to say this morning, your word is true, and I believe your word, and I trust in you. Therefore, I say, bless me, be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me according to what you have said. Give me the grace that I need, Lord God, to walk in the plan and the purpose that you have for my life. And I say to your word and to your promises over me, yes, say yes, yes. and I say amen. amen. And Lord Jesus, I want to pray this morning also, Father God, that those who are struggling would have the meekness, the humility, and the, and the boldness at the same time to approach someone for help. That they would not rest that they would not be satisfied to do nothing with the richness and the power of the word that you have given to them. I pray that you would bring divine encounters, divine um, connections into their lives, Father God, that you would send them an errand to encourage them. And Lord, I also want to pray for those who are established in the word, who are established in the calling and the purpose you have for their lives. Lord, that you would open up their eyes to see the Moseses in their environment, those who have an, a, an awesome mission and call from God who simply need someone to put their arm around them to encourage them and to serve them with their gifts. God, would you give us such a heart that we may be blessings to others, that they may accomplish the mission you have given to them for your glory and for the sake of your kingdom advancement in this earth. Thank you, Lord, you've not called us to do this alone. You've given us your spirit and you've given us one another. And so we bless you in that and for that today. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.